Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience. Let's kick off the week on a positive note. We're going to be talking NFL, NFL draft. And then it's kind of wide open. We can talk about whatever after that. Joining me on the line are going to be two individuals. But before we get to that, I want to let everyone know how to get into a draw for 100 DraftKings hours. I also have winners that I can release, too. Uh, you can check your DraftKings account. Maybe you've already won. Let's find out here once I pull up the screen. But if you do want to get into the draws, here's what you do. $100 giveaway. Subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. Download, like, the last five episodes that are up there. Podcast numbers across the industry with people not commuting so much anymore, down. So we need to artificially inflate those numbers, and I need your help, and I'm willing to give you some DraftKings bucks for it. So sub to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast, five-star review, DraftKings handle, something you enjoy about this show. Boom, you're in that draw for 100 DK bucks. You want to get into a draw for 20 DraftKings dollars? For this video, hit the like, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section, and tell me, I don't know. Who you want your team to take at the pick that they're coming up at in the upcoming NFL draft. We'll make it easy like that. <laughs> Winners from last week. We have the $100 winner, the Ram 31. $20 winner, Pirate Cat. Yar 88. Spiza. Spiza. Ben Bears, Statman underscore 68. I guess 69 wasn't available. And the Log Dog 21. You're all the winners of 20 DK bucks. Congratulations. <laughs> Remember to get into those draws. Remember to tell your friends about the show because we need the numbers, people. We're living on fumes over here. I got a crazy person that you probably can't hear because he's muted, just laughing like an insane person <laughs> in the background. So let's bring him in first. Joining me on the line, it is a Tim Undercust. Tim Undercust. That's, that's not my name. Are you sure? Yeah, I mean, some people call me the space cowboy. Some people call me the gangster of love, but uh, no one calls me that. Can you uh, confirm with us who calls you the gangster of love, Tim? Everybody. That's do, do they? The Steve Miller band. Everybody knows that. I'm not concerned about the Steve Miller band. You're claiming that as you now. So who was telling you this? Yeah. Whatever. It was a All funny right. line. Okay. Good, good chat. <laughs> Cracking yourself up there. Farting in the bathtub, making yourself crack up. Jeff Feinberg, he's on the line too. What's up, dude? Hey, keep on uh, keeping on. Corona sensible. How was uh, Passover dinner? Oh, well, I guess better than most. <laughs> I did it without pants on and didn't have to like see some family or leave the house. And it was like really, really fast. Uh, 
But yeah, I don't know. I, I don't want to like insult anybody. But no, don't do it. Insult people. We need, we need traction, Jeff. I, I don't like Passover like on a good year. It's an inconvenience. <laughs> so I was pretty much like, if I'm not getting the Masters, you're not getting Passover. Uh, did you have like alternate family members join you via Zoom to come in for Passover dinner? Yeah, we had like a couple people and that was really, you know, its own uh, monster. But yeah, just like, I mean, like old people using Zoom and then you're literally just looking up some like 80 year olds nostrils. Yeah, I, here's I what, sat off camera. I sat off camera. That, they that, wanted to see me. You could turn it. See, that's the savvy thing. The move is there's two Zoom tricks. As someone who's been using Zoom for this show for about five years now, here are two Zoom tricks that you can put into practice at your home to make the experience lovely. One, raise your screen up. Now, whether it be cereal boxes or books or whatever it might be, turn over a garbage can, put it up. Just make sure that the camera is slightly above your eye level. Everyone who is seeing you will thank you for that. You'll notice that the camera I'm looking into right now, slightly above my eye level. One, if you shoot up, everyone looks like they have 500 chins or you don't want to see up someone's nostril. That's not good. The only people that can get away with the wide-angle upshot close-up are, like, legitimate Hollywood actors. And, like, you need the right lighting, you need the right framing, you need the right lens. You don't have that on your computer. So That's just- a politician's lens. You'll find that people, when they're filming political ads, are always an upward lens it's- that projects power and authority. I agree. That sort of lessening, Pat, is sort of becoming mainstream. It's funny to see a lot of the, as network TV stuff was, you know, a lot of people working from home, how they've much improved their, like, layouts, uh, their shots. They didn't, like, know these simple things. Put a couple books under the computer, stack it up. You don't want to be on the wrong side of of where the windows are in your place. Real elementary things. And I think you may have done, like, a, a broader show topic on this, Pat, but... But the one thing, you know, before we get into the deep dive of the cuss corner that I hope like might be a positive in our little niche world to come from this is people, these executives at the networks will accept maybe like the lower grade shot that we've sort of been asking that doesn't need all the glitz and glamour of, uh, you know, a guy on the 12th hole in the golf tournament. If you sort of know what I mean, and our hardcore followers will follow. I sort of hope that what's happened here has expedited that maybe by like up to five years in terms of how quickly we get something as opposed to what I thought when we'd get it uh, five months ago, if that makes any sense. I I completely agree. I have been, so Mayo Media Inc., my company, I do consulting work. uh, And through the like last three weeks, I've had, I want to say like over 20 consultations with people uh, at, I mean, I have NDAs with some of them, so I can't say who they, they are, but you know, networks that have three letters potentially four letters uh, in their names about how to actually get this stuff going and how to make it look not shitty uh, it's shocking like people are so used at the bigger places and kind of like you mentioned that they don't want to see their product deteriorated uh and that was always the big thing with the golf holes like oh you can't shoot it from an iphone it looks too shitty we can't broadcast that but now everyone's broadcast is shitty and now it turns out people are fine with it but are they fine with it because that's all they can use, or will they be willing to accept that second tier once uh, this the is acceptance over? level is up I, on every level? Like because from the guy, the acceptance level of what the viewer will accept, and what I think the executives in charge of making the, these decisions 
are now realizing what the viewer will actually accept. And a lot of it too had to do with if you're a high level producer at one of these places or you're a director, you're a cameraman, you don't want the cheaper version of any of this stuff because you still want to get paid what you get paid. So there is an incentive to protect the brand that you have going out. Oh, we only produce the highest quality of broadcast standards when as it turns out you've now conditioned the audience to accept a far lower quality there's always going to be room for the expensive high quality in studio stuff that's not going away by any means but this fear that they had that people wouldn't people would reject outright a lower standard of quality broadcast for certain things I, i don't think that's going to be the case anymore people are now used to it yeah yeah. yeah, but no one's walking around Augusta National with iPhones ever in our life. Recording. Well, Augusta National's done it right anyway. They're giving us what we wanted ahead of the curve. No yeah. puns intended on curve talk. Yeah, and it's super easy to do at Augusta National. You have fewer people in the field, uh, and they even strap some cameras, like like basically robocams, to trees in order to get the proper angles on stuff. And they can do that because they play it at the same place every single year. So Augusta National's probably, I mean, they were the leaders in all of this, whether it be the app, whether it be the camera angles, whether it be being able to see every single shot, they're fine. It's the rest of the people we need to get on board. But we always spoke about how it made sense for a place like Augusta and NBC with the players sort of piggybacked on that, realized we're going to play here forever so we can make these infrastructure um, commitments. Golf courses in these tournaments, they have like two to five year like contracts sometimes. And yeah, you think like the memorial will be there forever and like Bay Hill, but, 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 you know, their contracts don't give them that sort of comfort to say, we're going to put the sort of um, digital infrastructure in like they will do um, at the masters at, you know, the players. And that's where the network sort of have to get on board with doing with what, doing with what a lot of Pat is talking about, you know, a lot of hybrid ways of making that happen uh, yearly. And the big thing with this, too, is that where you've taken a lot of these high-level production people and thrown them into a situation where they now have to understand the technology that goes into remote broadcast, broadcast, broadcasting on a camera that's worth $400, not a camera that's worth $40,000, that if you just threw them into the pool, it would be literally me on my iPhone like this trying to film things. But now they're getting their hands on this technology, and there's a reason that they're professionals at this. They're good at this yeah. stuff, that the the low quality that we expected, that floor has been raised by like four, five, six times now on what it would be if they just started this from week one because all these people are now figuring out how to use this equipment, how to stream this properly. And just getting everyone on board with learning how to use this equipment is going to be so huge for the actual quality of the product that we'll actually end up seeing. Yep, absolutely. They're sort of getting their test run on the fly now. And I'm sure when this is all over, people at all levels of the network departments will brainstorm how to maybe utilize this stuff in ways uh, that are better. Now, the only fear I have of sort of this whole Corona thing on a different level is that these networks and these big businesses, they're so smart for a reason. And so many people are losing their jobs and yes, jobs will come back when the economy comes back, but these, these places of big business they're going to find ways to have streamlined a lot of jobs. Like the extinction of some jobs is going to have expediated faster than um, we had hoped, I think, because these companies are now finding ways that they'll streamline 
some situations that they've been forced into streamlining will now realize they can pull it off. So that's a little scary, but yeah, well, I mean, not necessarily even I, I, that's definitely going to happen in our industry. That was happening anyway in the sports media and media business anyway, but there are certain things and Tim, maybe you can weigh in on this one. Like, I think that people are finding out that, hey, if you don't have to commute an hour and a half each way to get into the office, not only do we have to not pay for this office space, uh, but you're more productive because you're not just miserable sitting in traffic the entire time. If that's a way you can do it, you can cut down expenses that way. Oh, you don't need to fly because a lot of older people are learning how to use this technology a lot easier now. It's like, oh, you don't need to fly from San Francisco to Charlotte, North Carolina for this meeting in the morning. You can just do it via Zoom. It's okay. Yeah, maybe that's true. I, I think there is definitely some truth to it. But I, I think what we're going to find is that productivity is nowhere near where it is at the office right now. Part, but that has nothing to do with working from home. It's got to do with the fact that you're not just working from home. You have got to look after kids. You got to look after families. You got to look after family members. You've got other commitments. And so I, I actually don't think this time will be all that instructive as to the quality of the production that you get working at home because there are all kinds of extraneous or extra pressures, sorry, uh, on you at home that you wouldn't have normally if you were just working from home uh, without coronavirus. So I'm not so sure how adaptable that experience is going to be. Uh, there will be some technological connection, like it's easier, it's, e- it's easy to set up somebody to be able to work from home, s- stuff like that. But I-, I think there's almost no chance you're going to see an uptick in productivity from people working from home right now. No, okay, so maybe I spoke incorrectly when I was trying to describe that. I agree with you that, yes, they're the external factors and even just people's fear of leaving their house is throwing them into a fit of anxiety and they actually yeah. can't concentrate on anything. Sure. There, there's all these external factors, but again, almost like the infrastructure with the TV quality has now been put into the hands of people who you know, never really decided to go down that. Like you got to a fork in the road and people were like, well, I'm a studio producer. Now you're giving me an iPhone or a handheld camera or you know, a robo cam, that kind of thing. Oh, as it turns out, I can I can actually move three cameras at once. I you don't need one cameraman for each camera. You need one person for three cameras because they're doing it remotely, and that's fine. When we think about business in this way, like the meeting thing, you can bring people closer together, uh, especially older people who like think about like giant conferences. And those will still exist, like going to Vegas for the pharmaceutical industry to do your shows. That will eventually all come back. But the actual, I need to fly to this place, or we need to have, our company has 100 people in it. Maybe as it turns out, you don't need 100 people in the office at all times. Maybe you need to come in once a week or twice a week. Because while productivity might not be up right now, that if you can just mirror the same sort of productivity once all this ends from home and at the office, companies are going to look at that and say, we have way too much overhead that we don't need. I think that's well said. And I I agree. Uh, Because what we're also learning in this too, is that there is a need for the office. Very few of us are, are, are perfectly set up emotionally or physically to be able to work from home constantly. Uh, there is still is a need for that touch point and that out of the house office experience. But you, you, like you said, and I think it's well said, it may not need to be five days a week. It may only need to be two days a week. And, uh, you know, will there still be conferences? Yes, you can't network over Zoom. Networking is one of the most important aspects of modern business and of most people's uh, career, de- uh, career development. And uh, you can't do that in an effective way through the internet. You just can't. There's something about the interpersonal relationship that, that doesn't translate, that can't translate 
uh, digitally. So yeah, I mean, there, there will be still conferences, but there'll be fewer conferences. There'll be meetings, but there'll be fewer meetings, at least for the time being. Yeah, I, I think that is an inevitable consequence of all this. And one of the big things that companies can do, too, if they're now saving money on even just having rudimentary supplies around the office because fewer people are using them, or you, know, you don't need to have you know, celebrate every single person's birthday and have a birthday fund at the office at any time. You can figure that stuff out on your own. You can have a smaller working space. You can cut down on the amount of square footage by, let's say, I don't know, 25%. That's going to save you a lot in rent, or you can lease out that part of your office to someone else and have money coming back in. But then employers, if you're going to be working from home, then they can start facilitating, hey, you need an upgrade in internet, we're going to give you your internet allowance every month. We're going to give you, you know, a computer to work at home. Like You can redistribute some of that money that you're saving back into the workers to make it a more pleasant and more effective experience at home, too. Or hire more people. Or hire more people, absolutely. Um, but... Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. That hadn't even occurred to me. There you go. Just expanding the job base right now when we're getting rid of other jobs. But a lot of it, a lot of the technology stuff, Jeff, is, has something to do with what we talked about, I think, on a cuss corner maybe a year ago, that the problem with electric cars isn't necessarily that you know, they don't exist, that you're not going to get your hands on them. The problem is that there's no used electric cars. So the people that aren't in the market for an $80,000 car, they're in the market for a $1,000 car, aren't going to get their hands on electric cars till like 20 years from now. Uh, it was almost like the technology problem where my grandfather was never going to – he wouldn't even know what Zoom was. But now he does because he was forced into it. That does he wear the sunglasses during his Zoom uh, meeting? He does wear well, the like sunglasses. like everything, right? Like the computer. You know, now you know what they used to look like, what they used to cost, who had one, you know, or even like tell, you know, technology gets cheaper and, you know, more, more adaptable, but I, I and more mainstream and more consumer usage of it, uh, where it gets, you know, becomes a household product. But, you know, to Tim's point, I don't know, people be dying to go back to the office. And that being said, there'll be a handful of people within your organization who will have found this great experience maybe working from home and uh, find themselves more productive when the kids leave and, and you trust them enough. You've, you, they've proven to you that they can work from home productively as a, as a boss. And you say, you know what? Stay there. I, I need that office for Tim. <laughs> uh, the other thing with the Zoom meeting. So part two, that part one lasted like 15 minutes. So part two, Jeff, do any of your relatives use like the Zoom background because they think it's hilarious? No, but my friends do, and that can be, you know. What's funny. a Zoom background? I've been using Zoom for years. What's that? It's like, well, you never use Zoom with the video. You always just have yourself on audio. That's the other tip, that if you're just wanting to have a conversation with someone, turn off your fucking video because the internet stream will work much better and you can hear each other in real time a lot better because uh, the video sucks in so much of your bandwidth. So if there's no real reason for you to have to see everyone else, just turn off the video. The experience will be far more delightful. But for the video version, it's basically like a green screen. You can have yourself and then instead of whatever you have in the background, like Zoom has stuff loaded into it that you can have the background for you can like load in your own picture to have as your backdrop and it's it's like when people that sounds asinine it's like when people make their first edit their first video at I don't know, production school and they're using like star wipes and stuff like that because they think it's the coolest thing in the world and then like 10 minutes later it's like this is stupid Yes, but the best is when you're, you know, doing your, your Zoom chat with your buddies and you use a background that's a very, very, very popular internet meme at the moment. 
Um, and it accidentally is still there when you start your business meeting the next morning and you don't notice. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> There's been a lot of Zoom fails. I had a friend text me the other day. He's like, I wish I was recording this. But like someone was at an at-home meeting and they turned off their video, but they forgot to turn off their sound and they went and took a shit. You just hear them the entire time, just going like, Ugh! "That's bad." You rather there, yeah. I've seen it fails the other way, where like the guy's just sitting on the toilet. You can tell, see that he's sitting on the toilet. He did say though, it was the most fun anyone's had at work since this entire thing started. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, people were like happy when they were talking after that. They all thought it was great. I mean, the one guy probably you know, was shamed and fired. I don't know how that ended up turning out for him, but everyone else thought it was fantastic. Let's talk NFL. It's, it's been too long here. We had a trade go down, Tim. You love trades. You love the Rams. They're doing good work out here now. Uh, they have now committed, this is per Warren Sharp, the Rams are spending $74 million this year so they can have Jared Goff and not have Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks on the roster. They are eating $38 million of dead money between Gurley and Cooks, and they are spending a $36 million cap hit on Jared Goff, which is the most of any player in the NFL. They are using 23% of their salary cap for players to play on other teams now. Are you saying that's not the best allocation of resources? Is this your argument? Well, I mean, it's all... We work in a results-based industry, so if the Rams win the Super Bowl, like people will be like, man, that's the move. And they nearly did. Like It almost paid off because they were within a hair's breadth of winning a Super Bowl. Uh, but a lot of this didn't really have to do with what they did in the Super Bowl year. It's what happened after the Super Bowl year. They gave... I know, but they had these guys. They had these players on their team in the Super Bowl. Like, sure, no but, but, but then they went out and they gave Goff the ridiculous extension. And then they went and when they you draft tra- a guy first overall with the first pick, you give up tons of picks to get there, and then you go to the Super Bowl. There isn't a general manager on earth who wouldn't have signed Goff to the contract he got. I'm sorry. Uh, that, I, I, eventually, you have to, eventually, you have to buy into the sunk cost of what's going on. Like you can't, but they had just gone to the Super Bowl. That's fine. And everyone kind of agreed that Jared Goff wasn't very good and wasn't worth this extension. If you, I'm sorry, you had to sign him. You don't have to do anything because now you're seeing what happened. You had already just been, you had just been to the Super Bowl. I like guys. Why? I like Jared Goff. I think he's, I think he's a pretty darn good quarterback, and we saw it in 2018 and for parts of 2019, for that matter. That when McVay started getting things clicking, uh, he was able to, to to deliver the ball and do an adequate enough job in that very complicated offense. Uh, I, I think he's fine. Would he be good on another team? Now, maybe not, but. I, I think there is uh, sort of this this bravery on the cheap where people like to pretend like, oh, wow, I always knew Jared Goff would be terrible. Well, actually, the numbers don't really say that. The numbers say he's better than average. Yeah, he's being overpaid for his performance. But that's what's going to happen when you spend a ton of draft capital to go up to the number one spot to get him, and then he goes to the Super Bowl, and he had the number one offense in football the year they got there. I'm sorry, them's the breaks. He's not, like, he's not embarrassing. He's not Nathan Peterman out there. He's fine. And again, if they hadn't given away a game late in the season on a Saturday night against the 49ers, they would have made the playoffs, and who knows what could have happened. Like, that team is still pretty darn talented despite having a couple losses. They still have the best player in the NFL who isn't a quarterback on their roster. They still have a darn good – they have a darn good cornerback. They have a perfectly fine uh, quarterback and one of the smartest head coaches in football. Uh, There are very few teams that can say that. 
Uh, so I know there's a lot of people who want to pronounce the Rams dead, and maybe they will be in a year or two, but in 2020, uh, there's, there's just no argument for it. I don't think it's so much that people are like dancing on the grave of the Rams. It's that like even we we sat here for a year and a half doing our football shows saying like there's a cliff coming there and every football fan's like waving like fire 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 like something's wrong and they kept like spending and trading more draft picks and we're like well the end of the road is right here what are you doing and then they actually drove it off and the only guy they gave a life preserver to was the, the quarterback and pat mentioned the numbers and Pat makes a lot of points that with that coach, a league median quarterback probably gets very similar results there. Um, so not the highest cap hit in the league. I'm, I'm, yeah, it's it's ugly, and they're walking into a five billion dollar building with a two and a half billion dollar cost overrun, and someone else is going to be the main attraction. See that you're dancing on their grapes. That's well, you carry that by well, not dancing on their You finished it by dancing on their grapes. doing it for longer. Here's the thing, though. Uh, all of this, all of these cat problems that they ended up having, one, it started with the girly contract, but that was before the Super Bowl year. They go sure. to the Super Bowl, but that's when the misallocation of everything starts happening. They didn't need to extend Goff when they extended him. I mean, he could have still been the highest paid player in the league a year after, and they probably would have got him at more of a discount. You overpaid for the performance you just saw when you didn't have to. They traded these picks for Ramsey. Ramsey still isn't even signed to like a long-term deal here. So yeah. that's a problem. Uh, you can count on him as much as you want, but who knows what he's up to. That I, I don't think that the loss of Cooks is going to be overly devastating. I think that they can fill that a little bit because uh, the guy is they constantly... They have picks. That's, have picks. That, that's the whole problem. I mean, they got a second back for Cooks. I mean, that's a good thing, I suppose. Cheap, controllable players. That's what the NFL draft is now. The first-round pick is a five-year, four-year contract, fifth-year team option, four-year four contracts for, for the second-round picks. That's why sometimes you love to see teams trade into the back end of the first round and take a quarterback uh, like the Ravens did for Lamar Jackson because whatever they're giving up in draft capital is probably worth the extra year of contract if you actually believe in said player. Um, it matters. It's important. They're worth firstborns, and they really, they really misallocated what was happening in the, in the division last year to have made that, dra that draft capital trade for Ramsey. Because there were better teams. There were better teams. I get the wantingness to go all in last year and make the run again, but everything kind of clicked. To sell PSLs. I mean, there, there's that part of it too, but the league caught up to McVay a little bit last year. Like when they went on the Super Bowl run, and we even saw it a little bit in the playoffs that year, that you know, eventually people catch on to what you're doing. You need to stay innovative. Uh, it's like uh, in Star Trek when the Borg first came on and they phasered the first Borg guy, but then all of a sudden their personal shielding got variable and you couldn't just phaser them anymore. They had shielding for it. That's what happened to Sean McVay. Like people are savvy to what he's not all the way to what he's up to. But they can mitigate the upside damage that his offenses were doing. Like they were just not as good last year. I agree, but I think McVay's really smart. He's going to know that, and I think come the next season, you're going to see... He can name all the players he's playing. You're, you're going to see an off... Like, I trust in him. I mean, it sounds like you guys kind of don't. Well, I kind of do, and I think he's going to figure this out for 2020. I mean, they went 9-7 and seven last year, with it, and that was a down year. Uh, oh, I, I like McVay. I think they'll I be like fine. McVay. It's hard not to not like McVay, and it'll be interesting to see what they do now. Um, like, because like, McVay... 
we're also, I mean, at least I'm not here saying that the Rams are going to go three and 10 or three and 13. Yeah, 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 of course I, not. I, I think like 10 and six, nine and seven, eight and eight, seven and nine, that's all in the cards. I don't see them being, they could have a better record than they did last year, but everyone else in the, that's the big thing. Everyone else in their division is good. The Cardinals are a lot better. The Seahawks yeah. are good. The Niners are awesome. Like that's a tough road to sled uh, if you can't win all of your out of division games. Like even if you go 50-50 in the division, go three and three, but that, with this roster, maybe it's two and four. Maybe they lose one against Arizona somewhere along the way. That oh, it's a tough hill to climb, and now you put yourself into the situation where you've extended this quarterback. So let's say you are bad and you do want to tank it out, and you get the first overall pick. The fuck do you do? You well, that won't be exactly. That won't be a decision this general manager gets to make. He won't be there. If they draft first overall, they'll be taking the quarterback. That's exactly what they'll do i don't doubt that for a second i agree with that i mean do it's we special one. but but do we think at this time next year that like people are going to be oh my god trevor lawrence is so amazing you got to take him because we've seen this happen a bunch of times where if the guy who would have went number one in the draft he wasn't in plays another season of college football and then all of a sudden it's like yeah he's all right welcome to matt I, Le- I, welcome to matt leinart's world yeah but this is not the uh, th- this is not lawrence's choosing no no i understand that but just a lot can change in a year in terms no, of I where agree. your draft stock is. First overall, people said Luck would go first overall the year he was a, a, a sophomore, and then he went played his an extra year, and then he went first overall. Like you, you can, it, it happens both ways. Uh, Pat isn't wrong, but Lawrence, by all accounts, Pat is graded is being graded on such a high level that um, yeah, he is of that Luck sort of draft grade, uh, rarely seen. I, I promise you. Jared Goff didn't have it, uh, or any of the any quarterback that's gone first overall since he will have the highest grade. To come yeah, I mean, you see, that's why Jacksonville is openly grade like that. That's why Jacksonville is openly trying to go like one in fifty because they want to bring him, who's you know pretty close to Jacksonville, there and be a superstar. Like it's clear what teams are doing. What happens to their offense? Let's let's turn fantasy wise for a second. So the Rams offense, they lose Cooks. Feels like Woods, like Cut might lead the league in receptions at this point. And Robert Woods, Woods is, Everett. What? Woods, Cup, Everett, all are gonna be top uh, top tier options. See, I would say it's Higby, not Everett. Higby's got value too. I, I mean I think like Higby becomes I think Higby is like people are gonna draft cup in woods you probably add an extra round or two to them wherever you're drafting them in fantasy i think higby can start making the cases like a top 10 guy because everett's not that good well yeah but a top 10 tight end is like a really really a shallow list to begin with not really like like would you think that with what you know now and maybe this will shake out a bit differently maybe gerald everett ends up leaving the Rams and they commit to Higby long-term, but you have like your Gesicki and Fant and Hawkinson, like that style, or even your boy, the blue blooder himself, Chris Hendon, the fourth, like they're all fringe top 10 guys. I would say Higby might be ahead of that tier now. I don't disagree. I like them. The only problem is that I do think as long as Everett's there, there's a split that would prevent, uh, prevent Higby from, from being that good. Well, we did see two years ago that the Rams ran almost exclusively one tight end, three wide receiver sets. And last year they ran a lot of the larger formations with a blocking tight end um, and having a receiving tight end in the field and playing both at the same time. Not an abundance of those packages, but a lot more than we saw two years ago that there could be value for both. But it does seem, at least in this offense, based on 
the second half of last year, and a lot could change in the offseason, that Goff to Higby is something that they do want to exploit. That does seem to be a mismatch that they found down the stretch. Fair enough. Okay. Other side of this. Bill O'Brien, Tim, your pal. He's doing work out there. Next Jets GM, you think? No, because he'll never get fired by the Texans because he must. I I, I don't understand. Well, I guess I I just don't understand how somebody could be so bad so long and just continue to just keep getting promoted. He keeps. It's like when Elaine had that guy in the the uh, the newsroom that the mailroom that scared her, so she kept promoting him and promoting and promoting him. Is essentially what Bill O'Brien is. He's not confident, but the thing is, they also kind of succeed under him, which is why he'll never get fired. Because like they're probably going to win their division this they year. They have such high ceiling talent. Like I know defense when they had clowning. Like they had such a collection. They've always had a great collection of high blue chip players at quarter. You know, they still do. That they've been able to overcome a lot of what they suck at. I, I cannot believe. Put it this way: Bill O'Brien sounds like the coach who would acquire a player who who think of these three coaches that has given up on Brandon Cooks. Bill Belichick, Sean Payton, and Sean McVay. That's that's like all you need to know. He's a player you shouldn't want to acquire when all three of those coaches don't find a way to get rid of him. He has been – now, in fairness to Brennan Cooks, there's two things that really work against him. I actually think he's quite a good receiver, but he legitimately is one hit away from being Jordan Reed at this point in terms of his concussion problems. And then you still have his knee issues and whatever other injuries he has. And eventually, when speed is your predominant trait on the football field, you're going to just – through attrition, you're going to wear down and not have that. Like, Deshaun Jackson isn't Deshaun Jackson from eight years ago anymore. And he, well, hurt, has not been as hurt as Brandon Cooks has year after year after year. Plus, you have the concussion issue you have to deal with. Uh, Well, luckily, the Texans don't have a bunch of other receivers that are constantly hurt. Well, and not only constantly hurt, but are, like, speed, like Kenny Stills and Will Fuller are essentially Brandon Cooks, aren't they? Yeah, or that uh, Kiki Cootie guy, who's actually not even all that good, but, like, fantasy people were obsessed with him despite his lack of skill. Like another guy who's always hurt and just never plays. No one on that team plays. Watt never plays. He's always hurt. Uh, like the Texans are just riddled with players that just don't play, and they still keep winning. They should have been in the. They should have hosted the AFC Championship game. They were up by five thousand points against the Chiefs, and under no circumstances should they have ever lost that game. Like I, I just don't understand it. Hey, but there is one big key to the Texans' success. I mean. That's a down division normally. We, you saw Luck retire, then they had to scramble on the fly. There was the one year Jacksonville was really good. And they have Deshaun Watson now. Deshaun, Watson's, Deshaun Watson is awesome, and an awesome quarterback can make you overcome a lot. Yes, absolutely. They now, keep pulling homers all the time. Now, there, I mean, I think he made the playoffs with Mallet one year, didn't he? Yeah, and Orloff, or and uh, what's his name? Big tall guy. Uh no, they didn't make it with Osweiler. No, I'm pretty sure he did start. Matt Schaub. I'm pretty sure Osweiler like started for them, and they beat the Raiders, and the Raiders had their backup in. Oh, yeah, but they, they both were playing backup quarterbacks at the time, I believe. T.J. Yates? T.J. Yates, yeah. yeah, TJ, yeah that, was, that was pre-Bill O'Brien, though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that could have been Kubiak. That was Kubiak. But either way, like, Jeff is right. They're, they had so much talent on this team, the upside was so, so high, and it was never realized. Like, there's no way Deshaun Watson wants to stay in Houston, is there? I don't know. It's a big, massive city where he's a superstar. Why not? 
there's zero state tax in Texas. Like of all the states I mean, you choose to live in, Texas would be way high up there. Like, yeah, why wouldn't why wouldn't you stay? There gets to a point with athletes, though, once they're so rich that stuff like that stops becoming the deciding factor. Yeah, but in- superstar quarterbacks very rarely leave the the city and team that they're in. Yeah, but look, look at every other superstar player on this team. They've all been shipped off. Like, maybe he just randomly gets traded. We'll wake up tomorrow morning and he's traded. Oh, yeah. don't think I don't have visions of a draft day swap because of Watson's, like, cryptic tweets and, and stuff. But it's hard. It's hard to do. That being said, if you want to, like, history has shown, if Watson said, I'm not coming, I don't trust the organization, I mean, Trent Williams is, like, the one in a 100 player who didn't, like, get moved or hasn't been moved by saying, like, screw this team. Everyone else, like, gets traded. Gets traded. Always. The team will always just end up trading you. So after they did all the pick swaps and everything, they essentially traded DeAndre Hopkins for Brandon Cooks and David Johnson, which, you know, would have been like a sweet fantasy trade four years ago. Uh, Doesn't look so good anymore. Yeah, they don't know what they're doing. They're digging up. We already know this. Dig up. But it doesn't matter because they'll still find a way to succeed, which is the frustrating part. There's a new sheriff in town in the AFC South, pal. No, there there isn't, unfortunately. That team has also got a lot of problems that a 45-year-old quarterback can't solve. 38. Like, the Jaguars are terrible. The Colts have a ton of problems. The Titans are the only team that can really vie. They just went to the title game and the only team that can really vie. And I still have my doubts about Ryan Tannehill, who just got paid more money than Crassus, so... Well, no one's surprised if Tannehill turns into a pumpkin or well, gets hurt. The people in Nashville better be surprised because they just uh, gave him a Brinks truck full of money. But it's so a two-year. If you break down the Tannehill contract, like on the surface, it's like whoa. But if you break it down, there's an out after two years. That doesn't seem like an insane two-year deal. I'm not defending the deal. I don't like it per se. Um, I, I am expecting Tannehill to turn into a pumpkin, although. People forget before they got to the playoffs when they like actually let the offense rain and didn't have them throw like eight times, 11 times in the playoff games, like those yards per pass yards per attempt uh, off the charts. They're off the charts. What the offense was doing before they got ultra playoff conservative. Where, what is your issue with the Colts here? They seem to be the most complete team in that division at every level. And then yeah, they traded I, for an all-star. I don't think so. Well, what would be your criticisms of their team? That they don't have the best players at almost any position head-to-head. Like, I'm sorry. I, Hilton's a lovely player, but he's not the best receiver in that division. Who is? Yeah. Right now, looking at it, I think I would probably take uh, A.J. Brown. I mean, why do you have to have the best receiver in the division? You could have the best receiving core, per se. I, I don't trust receiver. Philip Rivers is going to turn the ball over. 25 times he's not going to be in that position he's not going to be in that position ball i don't control. think he recover from that they have a really good offensive line but you know i, I don't know i just I, I have no faith in that team i think that team is mediocre good but they're like an eight and eight team but, and i don't know i just don't have any faith in them and i don't think rivers is going to be able to jolt them back into life so I no do- I do agree that the receiving core, but there's time to, I mean, all anyone talks about in this draft is the depth of receivers that you can get. So maybe they can find someone to compliment 
T.Y. Hilton, but I do think that's really the one spot where they lack. I mean, their offensive line is probably the best in the division. Their defensive line just got a massive upgrade with DeForest Buckner. Their linebackers, they have the best linebacker in the division, so that core is yeah. good. They've, they've beefed up uh, in the secondary as well, like almost at every level down the list except for receiver. Great coach. Great coach. And, and they probably right, have the best coach. All right, let's just crown them then. No, no, we're not crowning them. We're like saying- in, a, in a division where one team just went to the AFC Championship game and another team has by far the best quarterback in the division, they're the third best team. Best. That's just how it is. I would disagree with that. I think I don't necessarily know who ends. I think it's more of a toss-up than all of that. But I think that if I had to put money on it, the Colts would be my pick. The Colts probably have the highest um, win total out of the three of them, too. I mean, that is something that we can research most definitely on the fly here. Let me look up here. Win total. Well, the AFC betting odds right now, the Texans are your favorite. Are they? Yeah, plus 170. And the Titans and Colts are next at plus, two, uh, plus 200. Ooh, CFL futures. Fun. Uh, to win the division. Hey, CFL survived another American upstart, baby. See, Five that, in, what? what Five I mean, Tim, what I'm looking – I mean, did you just Google what the odds are? Yes. Yeah, so you're looking at an article from like three months ago. The, the actual odds as of right now are Colts plus 180, Titans plus 185, and Texans plus 230. Wow, yeah, I, I was going to say there's the no Texans way. are ranked third in the odds, and there's such a there's such a public stank on the Texans that I'm kind of hoping maybe week one we get a couple extra points on the number because everyone just like hates them. They still have the best player in the game. Well, I assume in like 80 percent of the games they're playing, the best player on the field is Deshaun Watson. That's all I think. Yeah, yeah. and and the odds are probably artificially deflated right now because no one wants to bet on the Texans that they need to post a better number. I actually do think it is a bit closer than that. Like I said, it's like a, it's like a three-way rock-paper-scissors game for these teams. But just on the whole, coaching, depth, talent, I do think, and just an overall team. Well, Tim is right that they might not have... I mean, they have the best player at some positions, but at the most important positions, they probably don't. But overall as a team, they're probably the best overall team in that division. I don't like it. Okay. So bet on the Colts this year. Apparently they're, they're the anti this year's chargers. Oh, of course. If if people didn't know that uh, Tim, Jeff and I did a simulation game on the DraftKings YouTube channel where they're like, you can go play contests with those right now. We did chargers and jets. And maybe when, what could be Phillip rivers last game as a charger that Jeff gets to see Jeff, you (laughs) forgot because those were last year's rosters. They were still ander cursed. Oh, they were I was red zone turnovers, uh, just a disaster. Let's well, talk- get used to it, buddy. That's what twenty twenty is going to look like. This is nothing but good news for you, Jeff. Uh, listen, everyone's given us A's and, and Tim's given us F's, so I'm pretty excited. What is this? New York Times Post's report: Saints quarterback Drew Brees has chosen to sign with NBC Sports over ESPN. The contract yeah, once he retires, yeah. Do we think that Drew Brees is going to be a good commentator? No, I don't understand what this race to get Drew Brees in the booth is. I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but, like, they should be trying to acquire Phillip Rivers' future broadcasting rights. If I were Chris Collinsworth, I'd be real nervous right now. No, I think – no, 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 no. This was a plan. Like, I think Collinsworth wants to get out. It's like a two-year – it's like he's replacing Collinsworth, like a signed deal. Yeah, because all all rumors that I've heard is that Chris Collinsworth wants to leave and focus mainly on, like, pro football focus. I get it. Fair enough. If he wants to go, fair enough. He'll probably, like, they don't have... NBC is just... 
they yeah, don't yeah. want to get into a bidding war in like two years with ESPN. They like said, I don't know, they obviously secured a deal where as soon as Drew Brees retires, he gets to step into the Sunday uh, night booth. That I'm makes sure sense because I don't know. I don't next, think next year they don't have the Super Bowl. They traded it to CBS and then they have it the year after. So I guess after in two years' time when they have their Super Bowl, maybe Collinworth and, and Michaels will sort of do their last games together. And then Tariko and Breeze will well, come in afterwards. I don't really know enough details to get into what might happen next, but we remember they traded the Super Bowl because they didn't want to have a Super Bowl and the Olympics in the same year, and now they're going to be forced with that next year. Well, no, no, they didn't want a Super Bowl and the Olympics against – CBS didn't want the Super Bowl going up against the Winter Olympics, right? Because they, they knew that would that – would particularly with the Winter Olympics being in Asia, they didn't want that, that – that, that's still on – like Beijing 2022 is still scheduled to take place when it's scheduled to take place. So that's why NBC wanted to have the Super Bowl and the Olympics – Winter Olympics in the same year. Okay. The Olympics. Maybe – see, that could have been the greatest outcome of all of this. They just never have the Olympics again. No. And, and they'll be bigger ratings than ever in 2021. People are excited. Are well, they excited? They're the most watched sporting event on the face of the earth. Yes, I think so. Yes, well, Tim, every country is involved in it. That's not really a good good way that to That kind of makes this. them big and popular. That's kind of what people yeah, like. Yeah, why do they lose fucking money every single time? They don't lose money. They in some do. Countries. They, 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 they lose money every single year. The IOC is flush. Sure, because they're corrupt. Well, <laughs> Tim uses his same analogies as it pertains to like, um, like pizza or like food like the thing that sells the most therefore it must be the best uh not because it's like the biggest chain with the most money that just puts itself on every corner yeah it's, uh, it's, it's like when screw the olympics yeah it, it's really like when movie theaters used to exist and like you know there'd be a movie and it'd be released in five thousand screens and it would do you know five million dollars more than this movie that was released on like 500 screens We're like well clearly that movie is more popular it made money but there's only like three people in each theater Yep, exactly. Sorry, Tim. You have to weigh these things a little bit. But with the broadcasters, like, what is the rush to go out? And just because Romo is a good broadcaster and he stepped off the field, he steps into the booth, he's really good. Why does networks now think that every quarterback is going to be really good as a commentator? Maybe Tony Romo is an outlier in this, that he's just a good broadcaster and that doesn't necessarily mean Drew Brees will be. Well said. Um, as you know, it was highly publicized. They, they put the Brinks trucks. They did the whole kit and caboodle to try to acquire Peyton Manning. He rebuffed them. They keep coming back. He continued to rebuff them. I think it's just like anything in sports, Pat, like in anything in life. It's like a copycat mentality. That team worked with that system. We're going to hire, you know, the, the, the Zach Taylor, you know, Cliff Kingsbury gets the, the sick yeah. job in Arizona. It's just like a copycat. What worked? We're going to try it. Um, so I do hope, I hope Monday night football continues to struggle and I want, I, 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 am still banging the table. I want Phillip in this, these jobs. Now the quarterback's like a thing to get in the booth. I think rivers would be better than all of them. I swear to God, better than he was at a quarterback. And you could say that won't be hard. Well, you can also do it the other way too. Like I find it shot and maybe ESPN has run tests on Peyton Manning to find out if he's good or not, because the novelty of having Peyton Manning as a broadcaster only lasts one week. Cause if he's not good, no one's going to care. And that's all people are going to talk about. I would put money on him being good. I've seen he's media savvy. He's kind of funny. 
Uh, he has a lot of experience with being on TV, but doing analysis and play-by-play. I mean, you have your play-by-play guy, you're the color guy. Like, that's a completely different challenge than everything else that he's done already. That It just seems like a very big investment to have offered and, like, what if he accepts and he's no good? Then you're fucked. <laughs> well, Drew, yes, exactly. And Drew Brees, I guess, is the big winner because he is – I don't think he's getting Romo money, but Romo elevated the salaries for all of them. Like, Romo got this huge money, and now all of these quarterbacks are looking like, I can retire at this age, and then I can do this broadcast thing at, at Romo dollars for 15 more years? Like, that's an amazing gig. It's an amazing gig. Unless, like, God, there were some reports, like, Manning didn't want ESPN. Because if you do ESPN, you're part of, like, the family. And then you got to do, like, show up on a show on Monday morning and Monday afternoon. And then Tuesday after the Monday night football game. Like, the, the Sunday night, the Romo gig and the Sunday night gig are so good. You're literally in and out with the gig working with an Al Michaels or a Jim Nance. It is the gig. It's great gigs. And you might have, you might get thrown onto Thursday night football three times a year. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Like that, that, that if, I were really... Manning, if I were Peyton Manning, I wouldn't want the job. What do I need it for? I've succeeded at the highest level of pro sports. What do I, what if I am not any good? Yeah. I, don't need, next, I don't need to deal with that. Manning's next move clearly seems to be like, he's just going to, when he wants it, he's going to, like, it seems like when his kids are a little older, he's going to jump into, like, automatically being a team president. Yeah, oh, I don't or I actually think. I actually think he's got, like, a Bill Bradley future. I think he's going to be a politician. You do? Yeah, what? I think Nathan Manning strike, strikes me 100%. As Never a once has he made yeah. okay. I, I would think that's, like, what Brady's next move is. That or, like, selling yeah. workouts. <laughs> Why not both? He can just be on Instagram ads uh, selling, like dieting and hit workouts i mean he might be doing that already for all i know but he seems like he is because he is like he's an open republican right tim yeah and he's good friends with the president yeah well he kind of backed off that on that stern interview no he just said he didn't want to get too political and didn't want to speak at the rnc again i I want to speaking of that stern interview people thought that like stern was going to ask all these like graphic questions like you people haven't watched stern in the last 15 years all he talks about now is therapy and one other people- shadow of him former i'm a stern fan i've accepted that he changes and you got to accept he like has to reinvent himself howard stern today is is so pc he wants oh. to be in with all the everything howard stern used to make fun of he really has become 100 um, percent He's also just gone older and he acknowledges he's freaking lazy and, and like, I don't know, they're paying him a lot of money and he's still doing it. But, but, oh my God, like, I, I, listen, I, I get into Stern rabbit holes. I'll like play video games, listening to old Stern, like the Artie years are my absolute. That's favorite. where the best years. When and Artie also, left, the show went I'll, off the cliff. Yeah. And I'll also spend time listening to like, there are people who do successful podcasts that like just break down Howard Stern and call out his hypocrisy. And, and like <laughs> he eviscerates these like Jennifer Aniston type celebrities who he now uh, like vacations with because his wife is friends with them. And I don't know his, his whole, sh- I don't know. I, I love, I hate Howard Stern, um, but he's not controversial. He does exactly. do all things. He is trying to change his legacy. He doesn't want to be remembered as like the, um, what he was, and he's even acknowledged, like, he hates, like, his old books and everything he used to be about. But I guess that's growing and being, you know, turning 60 or 70, however old he is. 
Yeah, and looking at your bank account and seeing that there's a billion dollars in it. Oh, and yeah, but that yes. was not going to have any effect as to whether he changed though. Like, he... but part of the big stern thing now is a lot of people like on the you know that have known him or the rumors is he's looking to get out of, when the serious deal is up at the end of the year. Um, he he could be doing like Netflix because he's been licking the balls of that Ted Serrano who runs Netflix for like two years already. He certainly has been. I, like, I he, too am a stern. Been, he's yeah. been hard hobnobbing that guy every chance he gets. People do suspect there is like an angle move here that might already be planned, but he's got the other half year or what handful of shows, less than a hundred shows still under contract um, for Sirius. And I guess we'll really know how successful Sirius was once Stern does leave because I used to work for a serious channel and you can't get ratings. They will not, they don't, they say they don't exist. They only care about subscribers. I fail to, to believe that yeah. I fail on well, every level to believe it. I can give you some insight to that. Cause I had a show on Sirius in 2010 and 2011, me and Sussmania, me and Sussman were both living in New York. He's still there. Obviously I'm not, but that's when we did our show and they would track ratings by like number of, it would be number of subscribers to Sirius and that was basically it. They're like, oh, yeah, there's like 45,000 people listening to the show right now. I was like, no, there's not. Like, we get one call. <laughs> like, there's definitely, there's like five people listening to this. Yeah. But hey, yeah. if you want to think that there's that many people, fantastic. Yeah. But they would, well, like, Jeff said, their but, model's not based on listeners or really, they don't care. They just want you to subscribe. They don't agreed. Care. Yeah, but, but, th- but that would, but that also makes no sense because, it, and you'll find it out, like, if they do lose Stern, how many people unsubscribe? from Sirius and XM and maybe they just offer it as a package in people's cars and they just forget to cancel it. Maybe that's how they get a lot of subscribers, but they're financing all of these channels that I don't know. Do people listen to 98% of them? Well, I guess we're going to find out. Yeah. They're not cheap to finance the channels. I worked with them. I worked with one that went under and the operating cost of everything. It's still a lot of money. And to just be paying a guy, like I'm just going to randomly throw like a, uh, you know, a mad dog Russo, a couple million bucks. Like, if no one's listening, like, that's insane. So I, I can't believe for a second no one, they don't have internal metrics before they just hand out those types of dollars to the to certain people in the pyramid. There's also a thing where I remember that I was like, can I just do the show from home? Like, why do I need to go into a studio to do this? Like, no, nope. if you want to do it from home, you need this, like, $25,000, like, device that's a microphone. I was like, do you like own the company that makes these things? Like that makes no sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're talking fine and we're using a free internet program. I feel like if I paid like 500 bucks for something, we'd have the most secure thing in the world. Anyway, that's me. Before we get to the NFL draft, Tim, we have a new question for dear Custy. Okay. Are you ready? Dear Cust. Would you consider freezing your sperm so that future generations can have access to your ability to tap into the heartbeat of the peoples? Deuce from Pittsburgh. No. How come? No. Come on. Well, I don't think it's outrageous. Would you sell your sperm? I don't even think that's how that works. Like, what? isn't there like, you can't freeze it for like 40 or 50 or 60 years. I think it's like there's a, sh- a pretty short shelf life and how long that, that it can be frozen. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not the I doctor. Do. I, 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 yeah, but I'm not that type of doctor. <laughs> and I, I, I don't think that you can like 
cryogenically freeze it for like decades. I, I actually think there's a relatively short shelf life on these things, like six, seven. What eight. if there was a cussed super fan female who wanted to like make a next generation cussed? 100K for a bit of sperm. No, I would not. I would not sell. No, 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 <laughs> no. This was my favorite question you've got. No, this is disquieting. According to Dr. Google, cryopreserved specimens, when properly stored, will remain viable for an indefinite amount of time. What What do they call, like, what do you call the person who just gives this The donor? I know. That's like totally anonymously, but like when it's like you kind of like know it, like the person, and it's like this arranged thing. I think it's yeah. still, I think I think it's still a donor. It just you get paid uh -huh. for it. It's like uh, I guess it's like the sir. I guess it's more of a surrogate when it's like the female because she's actually birthing. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I I mean, there's there's big money in this stuff. I know someone who yeah. sold one of her eggs when she was like 23 or 24 to put herself through Yale Med School. Total. Good for her. And like she, she was a good like, candidate that you know, her eggs were worth a lot of money for people who wanted them. So that's what I mean. Tim's got to be a great candidate. There could be, like, honestly, a beautiful, happy uh, family, uh, same-sex family, male or female, that, that, that appreciates your mind and your tribune, that wants you to be part of it. Their next step. Come on. No, I don't believe in commodifying myself. Yeah, but you can. You don't even need to sell it. You can actually just say, "Hey," uh, or even a couple. It doesn't even need to be a same-sex couple. It could be just a couple who can't have kids, or someone has a low sperm count. You can just offer up as the tribune of the people. Offer your sperm out there. They can be like two hoity-toity people, and then they have a kid of the people. <laughs> no, because it would it would be my child too. No, it wouldn't be. You would legally have no right, be. sir. Well, but biologically, it would be. And in a sense, like the, the law almost, the law has no say over who actually is physically a father or not. So, no, I, sorry, no, no, wouldn't do it, no. Uh, that's pretty jerky. Anyway. I don't even like, I don't even like giving blood. I, I want to give blood, but it like scares me. Oh, yeah, but jerking Jeff. off is more enjoyable than getting a needle. I mean, it depends on who you are, I suppose. Maybe you're like uh, Paul Giamatti from Billions. <laughs> and then you just jerk off with the needle or the whip or whatever it is either I've way given blood in the past, but it scares me so you're scared of needles so tim not an intravenous heroin user this we know also jeff i found out over the weekend did you know that tim is afraid of live fish what do you like just so i'm not afraid of fish in i'm afraid to be around live fish that could touch me <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, I can walk through an aquarium or, like, look in a, ta a tank. doesn't bother me in the least. But, like, I can't swim near fish. That, fr like, that, that, that freaks me out. I can't touch a fish. That scares me. And the sad thing is I'm a really, really, really good fisherman. So, what? like, I have been – in the past, I've, like, caught fish and, like, had to get someone to take it off the hook for me because it, like, terrifies me to grab the fish off the hook. The very first cast I ever threw in my life, I caught a fish. I am actually just incredibly lucky when it comes to fishing. Like, I'm just really good at it. I don't know why. I didn't ask for it. I don't do it all that often. But when I do, I'm, I'm a natural angler, you might say. But I don't like taking the fish off the hook. It, like, causes me to be, like, terrified. And if, like, I'm swimming around and I see a fish, I'm done. Gone. See ya. Finish. Can't do it. 
like the idea of people snorkeling or like scuba diving like i could do that in a pool that'd be fine that'd be neat to do scuba diving but i could never do it yeah scuba diving. i, I swam with dolphins once oh like the idea of it just like it makes me just like want to shudder and like scream i couldn't do i couldn't do it, it scares the living daylights out of me but Wait, to go to an aquarium is fine well here's the thing i don't think you can call yourself a master angler if you can't take the fish off the hook and put it into your creel and he, fill it he up you just a, he called himself a natural the i actually have it as a hashtag here the natural angler natural angler i mean you got some people who are poker players who are natural anglers you have tim who's out on the lake trying to catch i don't know salmon or trout what trout you- and my favorite is to catch uh, saltwater mackerel. I'm very when, when they're running, that that is a lot of fun. But I like to catch freshwater trout or sea bass or or, or bass or pike. Sea bass? Have you actually ever caught a sea bass? You know how fucking big those are. They're yeah, those things are huge. Have you ever, ever like, have you ever actually caught one? I haven't caught one of those. No, but I've caught fish while fishing for them. I like to stand in rivers with those like hip waders. And I say I like to have never actually done this, but this is how I envision <laughs> myself. I envision myself like standing in one of those big old timey rivers, like with the hip waders on and just casting the long uh, fishing rods and, uh, and bringing home fish. Can I say something? I could be wrong, but aren't those like the most elite people? No, no, that's that's a common man. People love like, I don't know, but why do I picture like presidents and like, you know, like the Royal, like Charles and his kids, like doing that. Like, that's a very like, like high-end thing right i don't know that fishing is all that high end. no that like where you put the pants on and you go yeah, to these fl- like fancy yeah places. I, I i think what jeff is saying is that like fly fishing uh like by your lodge is a very hoity-toity elite type thing tim tried to make the case that snorkeling was an elite activity which is the exact <laughs> opposite of an elite activity no it is an elite thing it's, it's not, not an elite thing as was pointed out by someone else in our chat that you go to the poorest places on earth you can get yeah. yourself a snorkel spearfish they like a snorkel and a spear and they catch every meal so i so i can see that people are doing it for sustenance there's nothing elite about it but there is something like incredibly bougie about like going to your resort and getting your oh, i've got to get my snorkel you, you have triggered you have triggered paul behind the camera so the i can way. swim around and see that oh look at this clownfish i better take a picture of this on the insta with me and this clownfish under the water or whatever right like, i don't know there's just something to me that 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 strikes me the wrong way i don't like it it's weird and i i, I do think it's kind of elite uh you know to each their own whatever i just i i think there's something very bougie about it Paul, do you want to weigh in on this? Tim. Snorkeling is what poor people do because they can't go scuba diving. Like, that's, that's it. You, go, you can go anywhere on Earth and pay five bucks and rent your fins and snorkel and you're on your way. It's a cheap See, thing for families who don't have very much money when they're on vacation to do. When I think of snorkeling, I think of like people flying to Australia to go like, <laughs> see the Great Barrier Reef or like going to a resort in the Caribbean. And like doing their snorkeling, like to me, that's what snorkeling is. So you just don't know. I what feel snorkeling like is. you think that what snorkeling is is what scuba diving is. No, I know what scuba diving is. How do that's you? Like the, how do you know? You're afraid of fish. No, well, the scuba diving is putting on the oxygen tanks. Like that's the difference. And yes, I am afraid of live fish or dead ones for that matter. They kind of freak me out too. The other day, this bird flew into my window and broke his poor neck. Oh, and I'm also, I'm also very afraid of birds. 
And so it has been laying on my deck for three oh, days because I can't oh. pick it up. I just, I just can't. I simply can't. Tim, man, you can't get a proper burial for the poor bird. Tim, pick up the bird, pick up man. The bird, I don't man. know what to Put do. Put some gloves on, grab a, grab a plastic yeah. bag, go grab it, and throw it in the garbage. Close your eyes and just, just about tuck just it like in. Using my oh, oh. dustpan and dusting it into there. And then yeah, I just got the shakes. Bag. I mean that works. Yeah, you have your dustpan, but put the bird. How big is the bird? Oh, it's not a big bird. Oh come on! So I agree with you. This would be a bothersome thing, but you gotta just bear down and just do it now. You know, a man of the people, Tim, an outdoorsman like yourself would eat that bird. I am not an outdoorsman. I'm but, a I'm a I'm wanna... a very good fisherman. I think I'd be a good farmer, but there are other things I'm not good at. Like there are some outdoors activities I either am really good at or think I would be really good at. There are others that I know I'd be no good at. Like, I think I could free climb. I think that oh, I could God. fish. I think that I could, well, I guess go-karting is not really an outdoor activity, but I think I'd be a pretty good go-karter. And I think I'd be a pretty good farmer. You would not be a good go-karter. You're too big. The like, yeah, 12-year-old boy would just- Bowser is the best the Mario Kart guy to use by the statistics. As is what, what statistics? Oh, there's a whole like Wait, go online and read this. I read this one night. There's like a whole mathematical model where it proves that Donkey Kong and Bowser are the best two to use uh, in Mario Kart. So now I only use them. But you're not good at Mario Kart. Uh, I have my courses. Like what? What are your courses? Well, there's a there's a new brand new Mario Kart where like it's all downhill the whole way. I'm pretty good at that one. There's the a winter one on the Wii where you end with that half pipe. And I know the secret way to stay up top throughout the whole thing. Uh, I'm really good at that. I'm really good at anyway, whatever. I don't want to sound like a loser here. You're fully, you're fully in the mushroom cut, the mushroom cup at all times. I would imagine. No, I'm just not, I'm not good at the ones without the, the, the side rails, like the rainbow road. I struggle at. Okay. Let's talk about the draft for a second. Cause that was, that was off the rails. Jeff, the chargers have the six pick. What do you want them to do? My absolute... There are a lot of scenarios I would be very happy with. I would. I would. Um, but now that we're here, I think I would be beyond smitten if they could find a way to get to us. That would be my number one preference. I understand the durability concerns. Um, I'm aware that Miami really holds all the cards. They have the draft picks. If Miami wants Tua, they have the capital to go get Tua. Um, but there's a lot of very, 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 very highly, highly respected people that um, seem to think Miami is split on Herbert and Tua. All that being said, I don't. I would have bat a thousand in the scenario if you told me a year ago I'm going from Philip to Tua. I would have been confused as hell to figure out how we got here how we got here but but um we're somehow here and it's it's not you know totally controllable by us but i think organizationally we have made some moves to indicate that's what we want to do um by that i mean we were very aggressive in free agency for us um by by most accounts it was an applauded free agency um for us league-wide we're set up very well to get a lefty in there but diving deeper, we had two first-round picks that bear. I'm sorry, a first-round pick and a second-round pick that barely played last year. Um, we have a very talented roster. We don't got room for all these draft picks. 
We're probably going to get a third-round pick compensatory from the from the league in next year's draft for Rivers. Um, I, I think we could put the package together to go get Tua. So that would be my preference. I do like Justin Herbert a lot. I think the complaints on Justin Herbert are a little unfair. Everyone says, Jeff, everyone says that he sucks. The things that Herbert has, in my opinion, you can't teach. You can't teach that body type. You can't teach that arm. You what, can't you, can't, you, 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 can't, you can't teach being a fucking lank? Is that what you're saying? Great. I, I know a guy. We can get our friend Patterson to play quarterback in the NFL. He's like 6'9". You can't teach, I control that, Paul. You can't teach what he has. He's a bio major. He's an incredibly bright guy. In my opinion, if Justin Herbert, I swear to God, this people, you can cut this up and people can cuss me for it. If Justin Herbert played at LSU last year, he would be one of the highest graded draft prospects in, in modern time, in modern time with that line and that weapons and his natural skill set. Plus he so, was a bio major. Let's not forget that. He is, that, that 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 points to his ability to learn. That, 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 yeah, that no, he, no, no. Hold on a second. Like, yeah, I see where you're coming from with that, but academic smarts do not equate necessarily to football smarts. That's just not how it works. I, I understand disagree. that, but my point being is the things that people say aren't there with Herbert are are teachable traits, in my opinion. And he seems to be a student of life, so <laughs> I. I, I that wouldn't bother me. That being like, even as what I said with Tua, Philip to Tua. If you told me a year ago we're going Philip to Herbert, I'd have taken it a hundred out of a hundred. I, again, I would have been deeply confused as to how we got here, but we're here. We're really close, and we did a great job last year of not going seven and nine or eight and eight. We've really put ourselves in a position to 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 have a moment that is defining for the franchise. That being said, this draft is freaking stacked. There's like three or four blue chip defensive players. There's a ton of offensive linemen. Um, listen, I'm just a fan. I'm like looking at it from a charger lens. You're, you've done some great shows that you'll post with like real draft experts that spend, you know, that are highly graded mockers and that spend like their year doing preparing for the draft. I'm just like in this bubble right now of the top of the draft and I'm seeing these defensive players and these O linemen and if Tom Telesco wanted to play to our strengths and draft Akuda, who some say is the best corner to come into the league draft prospect wise in a decade or a guy like Simmons, because we got to play the chiefs three times and, and we punch on quarterback. I wouldn't hate it either, but, but I, I Tua would be the dream would be my absolute uh, dream risk durability. I understand that, but as Chris Mortensen pointed out, you could argue durability is a little overrated. Andrew Luck, Matthew Stafford, two blue chip first overall picks. No one wanted to debate that. Undebatable. No, no health question marks with either of them have year in, year out battled everything health-wise. So, you know, who knows? You're never going to get a Phillip Rivers who plays every game. But I think for the Chargers, this gamble would make sense. Per DraftKings Sportsbook right now, position of the Chargers' first overall player picked Offense, minus 600. Defense, plus 420. I don't think it's a crazy bet at all. I do not think it's a crazy bet at all. Um, you don't like Anthony Lynn. I don't really – I'm still a bit torn. 
Anthony Lynn, I promise you, could be screaming to the hills that he loves Tyrod and to go get him another like defensive player. And and quarterback, uh, uh, this is what you have to hope, Pat. If the like you don't draft a quarterback you like, you're only drafting a quarterback you absolutely love. My fear is the Chargers will be backed into a corner, a corner um, on draft day because Tua and Burrow will be gone. And do you draft Herbert if you don't love him? No, that's impossible. You don't just draft a quarterback if you don't absolutely love him. You believe he's great. You'll then go pick one of these blue chip defensive players. So yeah. I am convinced that plus 420, there's a, that, that, that's a good number. That's a good number. I don't want to have a bet because I don't want to have any feeling other than I trust you. Come on, team. But, but that's a good number, Pat. I'm telling you, it's, it's a very real possibility. It is. And since these things, uh, draft props, are something we can bet on, we will do an entire draft prop show along with a mock draft. But I do have legit experts who know stuff about this coming on the show this week. I'll have Emery Hunt on from The Athletic and Football Game Plan. He was excellent. I've already recorded that one. And just talking about how you actually scout players, then he gives his opinion on a lot of the quarterbacks in this draft. Really likes Jalen Yurts. and thinks he might be a very nice pick. A lot of like. He was actually saying, let me throw this out here to you, that you know maybe the Bengals would be better off taking Chase Young and then taking Jalen Hurts in the second round, kind of doing a version of what the Chargers did when they took LT and then Drew Brees. Yeah, very cool. Um, I think the Dolphins could maybe do something like that. I've even seen scenarios where the Chargers trade into the late first-round pick area and draft Jalen Hurts. You know, take their high second-rounder and package a little more and get into the high 20s and draft Jalen Hurts, and that's the plan. That they really, you know, um, uh, yeah, a lot of people are really high. Daniel Jeremiah, one of my favorite draft people, is also very high on Jalen Hurts as how his skill set can work for the modern NFL. I am so excited about this draft. Uh, just that the, the biggest winners of this draft to me are the teams picking like seven, eight, nine, ten, maybe 11. Even, maybe even 11 because there's such great talent in this draft. You add in a couple quarterbacks. Uh, players are gonna are gonna be there. Like I think Tim's Jets have one of the most intriguing picks of the draft. All right, so so Tim with the Jets, DraftKings Sportsbook has position of first player drafted by the Jets. They currently have the eleventh pick, which you have stated the eleventh pick in the draft is actually the second best position you can be in besides one in the draft. Don't forget that. Offense minus four hundred, defense plus three hundred. It seems almost inevitable that they'll probably take a receiver or an offensive lineman, but what are the chances they take any defender? If they trade out of the pick, then a defender becomes, I guess, potentially a possibility if he's just best player on the board. That'd be the only circumstance. Maybe even if they don't trade out of the pick, that if there is a defender, almost like uh, Ed Oliver last year with the Bills, where he just kind of fell, it was like, oh, I guess we'll take him. Yeah, if somebody like Okadaya or something like that fell down there. Maybe you'd be obliged sort of Derek Brown or something, but I doubt it. Even even Simmons. Yeah, maybe the jets, I think start a really interesting part of this draft because they're going to be in a great position. As I, as I mentioned to get one of these very highly, highly graded players. Um, Like the jets at 11 can get one of these, maybe the last really good left tackle in this draft. Or do they want to be the first team to draft a, out of a very deep, deep receiving core when I promise you there'll be a receiver they'll like in round two? There'll be receivers into round three. So I, I, I'm really intrigued. The Jets, to me, 
um, nothing to do with Tim represent a really intriguing moment in this draft, let alone how great it is to own the 11th pick. Yeah, I mean, since it's the second most valuable pick, they could trade it, go down, and actually draft a quarterback of the future. They could take Jalen Hurts. Yeah, yeah, okay. Sam wasn't. Sam Darnold wasn't very good in that sim that we watched. He won the game. It's really all that matters. I just count the wins and losses. That's how you judge your quarterbacks. That's how I judge my teams. Yeah. Okay. So should you. What should are I? your people on your pre-records? Can you tease what they've said about Jordan Love? For me, Pat. Not a ton. Good, not great. Yeah, I don't think he's a player the Chargers can draft because he seems like too much of a project. I swear to you, if this was two years ago and like Philip was still a guy for me, I would be salivating to get a guy like Love in there and let him marinate in the juices. Uh, but but I don't think he works with what we're trying um, to do. But I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by, by him as a as a prospect. For, for us, it's a head versus heart circumstance, right? I mean, the head says you need to build your line. You need to provide a better protection scheme for Sam. There will be one of these top-tier tackles, whether it's Beckton or Thomas or whomever or Wills sitting around there at 11. Wills go, won't, but yes. Probably not, right? But go go grab him and uh, and make him your, your cornerstone. So if we do that, while that's not what I particularly personally want, I'm not going to get upset because I understand the logic. But my heart says, I want Jerry Judy. I think that he's Julio Jones 2.0. I think he's a superstar. I think he's a game changer. And in a division which is pretty darn wide open, we need a game-changing receiver. To, I mean, you give Sam a player like Judy, you match him with Perriman. I think that's a very exciting circumstance. And we can go grab grab offensive linemen in, in the future rounds. But uh, it doesn't excite me nearly as much. Lamb would be fine. I will accept Lamb. Uh, and I really – here we go. I shouldn't say this because this is exactly the stuff that gets me in trouble. But I really don't want the other fellow, the other receiver – from Alabama at Ruggs. All. Ruggs. I don't I I watched a bunch of Bama games this year. Ruggs is not as good as as uh, as Judy. So we better not take him ahead of Judy. If we're going to take a receiver, take Judy. He's the best receiver on the board. It's what I would do because I'd want to give Sam that top tier receiving option to sort of match with Perriman and then with a new one in the slot. You you you've got a really 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 exciting receiving core there. But they grab one of the offensive tackles. I get it. I won't love it, but I understand sometimes you have to eat your vegetables, and that's a circumstance in which they'd be doing it. Do yeah. you actually eat vegetables? I love vegetables, so I, I, that's just an expression. Okay. Tim. So here's one thing I've seen in the actual draft odds, where Judge Judy, he's remained the same, uh, over under 12 and, a half, 12 and a half picks, so that cancels out. Who has the 12th pick? It's the Niners, right? No, it's Oakland, and then the Niners, the Niners are the 13th. 13th pick. Uh, so that hasn't changed. What has changed is C.D. Lamb's uh, over-under has gone from 12.5 to 13.5, and, uh, and then the odds have been adjusted. He was sitting at 12.5 for a while because there's a lot of speculation that potentially the it could go boom, 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 Jets, Raiders, Niners go receiver, receiver, receiver. Well, the, the, the Niners but, need a receiver. The Niners <laughs> are definitely taking a receiver. I don't – yeah, but if they also have two picks. They also have two picks in the first round. Like, they could do – it depends, I think, on how they judge their just 
corner situation. Yes, they re-signed Sherman, but realistically, that's a one-year, $7 million deal. That means at the end of next year, three of their four DBs, three of their four like top-ranked corners on their depth chart are going to be unrestricted free agents. That if a great corner falls to them at 13, they and they have like no second, they have no third, they have none of this stuff, that maybe they trade that pick or maybe they trade the 31st pick. I don't know, but I think that really depends on who's available on the board because there's such depth at receiver in this draft class, they could probably find someone at 31. The thing, yes, there'll absolutely be someone there at 31. The thing about this receiving class is I feel bad for Jerry Judy in getting the Julio Jones comps. There's no Julio Jones. There's no Andre Johnson. There's no Calvin Johnson. There's no top five, top three pick in the receiver worthy. I I don't agree at all with that. There is none of that here. My eyes work. What you have is a collection of wide receivers that do everything. You have your, your, your big body possession guys. You have your speed, like your rugs is your you know, Tariq Hill, you know, tight, whatever sort of you want to fill your basketball team roster of receivers um, is available in this draft. I do not see a high, high end receiving, uh, you know, ceiling player here. That being said, in the modern NFL, um, you get a YR2 at the 11th overall pick, and that's not a bad pick. Receivers are incredibly valuable and important now. You need more than one. they so, can even quarterback you to the AFC title game, according to you. Pardon? They can even be a quarterback at the AFC title game, according yeah. to you. <laughs> Listen, I, I guess, I guess so. Um, so we'll see. I don't. Judy is a star. Judy is, has become the handaway favorite to be uh, the first receiver taken, and I've seen like a guy that's apparently been really sharp in betting. Or Paul posted it to us. A guy that's like a sharp draft better. Um, posted that he took Judy to the Jets exact bet at five to one. And I've seen that drop to almost three, two and a half to one uh, now. So there I mean, has been a lot of be, steam. This could be Montana. We could be Montana to Rice if we have Darnold. Oh I really mean, I believe that with all my heart. Oh. I believe it's possible. Not guaranteed, but I believe it's possible. Problem. I feel bad for him now. <laughs> yeah, my poor friend is not going to like hearing that. His bad I have is been, probably I've been watching so much. Judy. No, I don't mean your friend. I feel bad for Jerry Judy getting a Jerry Rice comparison and a, like from Tim and yeah. ending his career. We all feel that about that too. I Any, want him. Rest in peace, Jerry. Anything else that you guys want to talk about? I like this is our new Monday show, by the way. This, this is I, this is kind of good. We can re- we can talk on the weekend. We can recap what we're doing. Have some fun here with the NFL draft. Talk about what's ever going on. It's a good way to kill some time. I got a beef. It's draft related. Okay. Uh, I cannot stand. I cannot stand hearing reports that like general managers or NFL executives are, are upset or feel that they won't be at their best for the NFL draft. That's a, that's a cop out to me. That tells me you haven't done your homework. NFL draft prep is a 12 month, a year job. Good GMs like the one in, in Los Angeles um lab as i guess the chargers would be have been ready to draft since the first of march and i don't doubt it for for one moment our big board's ready but how are the browns owners going to ask how's the browns owners going to ask a homeless person whether to draft johnny manzel well he won't be able to i guess but that really bugs me they're overrating how difficult it, it, it is they think we give these guys too much credit we give them too much credit government has encouraged that if you can tell a draft or if any business, fuck draft. 
If you could operate your business via telecommunications or modern technology, do it. They're encouraging that. That's exactly what the draft will be. Um, a GM at home. You can get your top handful of personnel people in with you. I have such a hard time believing you spend so much time building a big board. And then when you're on the clock for, for your final five minutes are like, don't know what you want to do. Um, I, I have such a hard time believing that should be the case. I've walked into a lot of exam rooms unprepared and I would make the same comments, but I know the homework team, they don't sweat this one bit. And I'm excited. My organization is on the homework team. Do you think, I know there are a lot of these jokes were going around at the time once they said they were going to do it uh, remotely, that would it be worth not necessarily hiring someone like me or a fantasy analyst, but like someone who works for, let's say, like ESPN or Yahoo, who runs like these draft simulation kind of things, who like does the back end work, just in order that like you can have all your stuff up and running and make sure that it works all at the right time. Like, do you think that there's a consulting gig for one of these guys? Yes, apparently the NFL's been doing is doing hard practice runs individually with teams. It's not like a league wide practice run. It's like the NFL IT IT team is doing like spending an hour with your organization doing mocks, showing you like everything. So I I don't I don't know, but yeah, obviously there's probably room for some consulting here and a lot of teams are there's rumors are trying to like bend some rules and you get a bunch of, I don't know, hotel rooms or hotel floors that teams are are apparently rumored to potentially be be renting out. Uh, you put like four guys in a room and I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Tim, which general manager do you think has the ability to be the Stoilov, who is our friend of the draft? That's a good question. I mean, the obvious answer to any stupid general manager question is Bill O'Brien. No, nah, but so- nah, I, f- I feel like he would have this down. This seems like a Dave Gettleman. Oh, I didn't realize I was supposed to be picking right now. Like, you mean you have to, like, an online, like, Yahoo draft where you, like, pick, like, Williams, but you have to make sure you pick the right Williams that you, like, click and send to the league? And you yeah, like, 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 realistically, like, there should be a queue set up for some of these guys that if they forget it's their pick or they're not paying attention or they really can't make a decision, that'll, like, auto-pick for you. Yeah. Like, I want these three guys, if it gets to my pick, I got to go outside for a smoke. But I, know, maybe, I, I, feel, I feel like these guys exist in every fantasy league. And this isn't the NFL. These are people putting in their real money and drafting via software that makes it almost impossible to fail. And, like, we do our home draft through, like, an Excel sheet, and everyone's on the line or everyone's in person. And we have a minute 30 to make your picks. And he's routinely had back-to-back picks at the turn. So he has three minutes, technically, to make two picks. And he can't even figure that out. There are, like, eight teams pick ahead of him. Like, there's going to be a GM who is that guy of the NFL draft. There just has to be. It's going to happen. Yeah, I don't know if you, like, each team at one point in the draft is allowed to, like, pause their clock for two minutes as they work through some digital thing. Like, I wouldn't be totally against, like, that because I am smart enough. You know, modern technology can have a glitch. I'm sure there's a backup phone number. where. If but I'm crash, just, I am just, like, appalled that every time I hear an executive or or an NFL insider say they're speaking to executives that aren't happy, that feel that like mistakes are more likely to be made. I like, I don't know what did draft drafted in the seventies. How did you draft the steel curtain? But Jeff, I can't be held responsible for my bad draft picks. 
it bothers me. I'm being bothered by those takes. It, it's completely separate from if you want to debate whether the draft should happen, I believe it should. Um, that's a different argument, but I'm appalled at the, like, I'm on, like, I, my preparedness won't be there sort of takes or, or that, that, that I stand zero for. All right. Last thing before we get out of here, maybe second to last thing, uh, Jeff, I am filming that game show idea with Tim and Raza and a viewer right after we finish filming this. How do you think that's going to go? I think I'm excited to see it. I don't know. It's um, could be over the map, but it makes sense. They all seem like very versatile guys with, you know, multi-category abilities. So I'm, I'm curious to hear how that, that goes, that goes. Yeah. I think, I think we're going to film one and then I'm going to figure it out in post-production, like with graphics, structure, everything like that. But I think it's necessary to record one of them first and then figure out how it all works. And then, like, it's not going to come out tomorrow kind of thing. It'll probably come out next week or the week after once I nail down and get it figured out. Tim, are you ready? I have no idea whether I'm ready because I don't know what's going on. I, I, I'm prepared to answer questions. I don't You're know how to maven. Works. You should be ready based on your maven claims. I'm Settle down. Settle down. <laughs> I am prepared to answer questions. I don't know how that will happen, what the format is, but I am... Uh... I'm ready to, to, to try. Okay. Can I put one more thing out there? Sure. And I got like more, more of these, but I'll like save my real one. My wife's like, you should probably sleep on that one. <laughs> uh, like, I don't know if you really want to say that yet. Like, so just sleep on it. But I, I can confidently say, and this might be the most cuss level take yet. Um, like him calling bandwagon people at the mall during Christmas, like bandwagon mall walkers. But I can't stand the internet at the moment. The internet has gotten worse. Like these social media platforms, these bandwagon posters, I'll call them like bandwagon internet fans that are like stuck at home and don't normally like internet. All this like pick three, fuck me nonsense. Glad handing shitty content. Really annoying me. I don't know. Maybe I'm at my wits end. Yesterday was a tough day. Got like mad at, at Lily for like the first time. Like, uh, I just, it's, it's wearing, it's wearing. But the internet used to be like a, I don't know, it's worse than it is under normal circumstances. And that's not normally a good place, even though we all love it. I do. I have been trying to be off social media as much as possible. And I've been doing much better with that as the weeks have gone along. Gotta tell you, it's kind of nice. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm the one in the bad place, as I've acknowledged, because. Like, even that stupid thing, like, that guy's ridiculous, like, can you eat this from McDonald's in 90 minutes? Like, offends me. And then grown adults are debating whether, like, grown men can eat 20 bucks worth of McDonald's. Yeah, was there any single person who looked at that McDonald's challenge? Like, no, I couldn't do that. Like, would I feel good after? No, but could I do it? Like, are you stupid? Yeah, I saw it. $20 worth of Dukes. It's like, I don't need 19 minutes to do this. You give me 30 minutes and I can do this. He's giving you 90. I I have essentially done that challenge, stumbling out of a bar at 2.30 a.m. into McDonald's and be like, give me all that. I'll I'll follow you. (laughs) And if you could trade the colas for iced tea, I'd do it in like, yeah, I'll bet me I'll beat any time you want. 
Yeah, it was a bad challenge. I mean, Although that was effective. These pick three or you're quarantined. You have to be quarantined in a house with like these people and pick like that sort of like the, that's really stretching the limits of all of them. At least the McDonald's one like got people all fired up. I guess so. I guess so. But yeah, pick threes and no. Oh, oh my god. And, uh, yeah. Are there any are there any quarantine memes that you've enjoyed? No, and then you got these friends that like would never send a meme in their life, and now we're like, oh, sending me all the like sending the group chat all the shitty stuff that their loser coworkers are sending them. <laughs> the shitty meme. Like, no, no. Like, I can't. One of honestly, one of like the top five reasons I can't wait to get back to normal is so. So, so a guy in my group chat, he goes back to like not talking ever. <laughs> We have some fun people in our group chats, don't we, Tim? Oh, no, yes. they're great. I, I love the guy. He's like a, a good friend. He's in my group chat, my close friend group chat. But like, I don't know. Sometimes you want to like mute even some of it. Takes just suck. Here, are, uh, 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 of- Here uh, are fifteen uh, photos of me working out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here is this guy who also lives in my complex, and he comes over and we work out. It's like okay. <laughs> That's fantastic, man. But he, but he's not the egregious offender. There's a guy that we have in our group chat who's basically two days late. Adam Schefter. Oh, worst guy. Like, yeah, I know, man. I call him breaking news now. <laughs> like, it's he's got news updates for us two days after all the news happened. Like, I did, love that. Did guy. you did you see this? Like, yeah, man, I saw it. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. No, and yeah, not even just sports. I'm sure it's like the big like world headlines too that you oh. guys like discussed already. Like, yeah, like, no, yeah. It, it would basically be like, have you heard about coronavirus? Like, here's the <laughs> thing that says it's deadly. It's like, yeah, thanks, man. We've been quarantined for a month. But yeah, he is. Yeah, he's too late, Adam Schefter, to a- any bit of breaking news, and then like really weird news too that like no one wants to know about. Yes. yes, Paul. Do any of you guys have the guy who doesn't read anything in the group chat and constantly asks people to read because he's, he's like too lazy to scroll up and see what everyone was just talking about? Yes. Yes. Hate that guy. That's just the guy that only like listens. But that's also the same in my group chat. That guy is also the same guy. Like when you're talking, he never he's only listening when he speaks. He doesn't listen when other people are speaking also. So that's part of that. There's also been a resurgence of OLP amongst my friends, and I don't that, mean our lady. That is, oh yes, that I mean. First of all, I don't think that a lot of people watching this show who are non-Canadians would associate OLP with Our Lady Peace. And even so, I don't know, <laughs> poker has been illegal in the United States for so long online that online poker, OLP, uh, is probably not like in the jargon anymore. Really? Yes, Tim, really. Huh, okay. I guess I thought I was being hip. You weren't. I, I play online poker, and I never heard of that before. Really? Yeah, Tim. Just because you have heard it and one person said it to you once does not mean that everyone has the same I, dialect. Everyone I know calls it OLP. You mean everyone you play online poker with? The six people? Uh, there's a group of us now who are playing like several times a week, and it's more than six. Now, how many people are playing? Anywhere between 12 and 20. This might be the snobbiest thing I've ever said. I've looked. I mean, that's probably not true, but <laughs> I've looked into playing it. Like I'm not playing for those stakes. I just don't care. I do because it's fun. It's not fun. I like. Oh, I'm gonna go donk away my twenty bucks worth of chips. Let's play for like five hundred or something. 
Oh, there is some real donking that's going. That's on. the thing. You start playing for more money, that stuff goes away. We have some friends who will just call you down to the river with middle pair. No yeah, because you're playing for fucking 20 bucks once a week. The thing is, I like to get tricky. I like to check, particularly in the big blind with queens and jacks and kings. All right, and that, that, I mean, not only is that usually a terrible idea, that, that's even less effective in online poker. It, it has not been an effective strategy, but I like to trap. That's how I play online poker. And how, how many of these games have you guys played so far? Like 25? Not quite, like 23. How many have you won? I have won once, but I haven't participated in every game. Okay. And I've cashed in a few others. I'm not too bad. Uh, I got, it's just, anyway, I don't, no one wants to hear about people's bad beats, so it doesn't matter. Paul, it looks like you had something to say. Yeah, I, I think it's like for the Americans and stuff who don't have access to all of these websites, like, I understand why they're playing like all of these home games and stuff, but like, I have access to like the biggest websites that have contests, h- like hundreds of thousands of dollars up top. So, like, why don't I just play in. The big contest because I'm Canadian and have access to it and it's not blocked in my country. Yeah. Like I have friends that wanted to play like the online with Zoom and everything like that. And I was like, I hate, I hate playing against my friends in poker. Hopefully they don't get to this part of it because yeah, yeah, I, mean, I have not enjoyed show, those man. games whatsoever. We've got to the point of the show where we're like yeah. railing against There's people no way they get this deep uh, into the episode. There's a particular app where the best part about it is you can throw tomatoes at people and one of our friends just gets peppered with them. I like that. Okay, that, that, that does sound fun. <laughs> All right, you guys got anything else? Do you want one more Dear Custy before we hit the road? Sure. Yes. Is it pa- 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 No, Tim. Actually, this one's not so bad. Dear Custy, this is from Tom. I was frying an egg over easy to put on my avocado toast this morning. I cracked <sighs> the egg on an empty coffee cup to the side of the stove and spilled some yolk on the transfer to the pan and got it on the range and grates causing a minor mess. My wife made fun of my technique and told me I should crack an egg over the pan with my fingers. Dear Custy, what is the proper way to crack an egg over a pan? Thanks, Tom. The proper way is to use the edge of the pan itself. Yeah, but that's not or, that. That is not solving any of his problems. You crack an egg on the side of the pan, you're still going to get spillover that goes into your you ring. Only crack it lightly so that you can split it apart, or use a knife and just tap it so there's a little crack, and then you can break it apart and open it onto the hot pan above it. There's no transfer. The only time you transfer an egg from a receptacle into the pan or pot is when you're poaching an egg. That's when you do that. But when you're just when you're frying an egg, and first you should be frying them over hard or over <laughs> well, not over easy. That's over, over well. I don't even think I've ever heard anyone say that before. Over well. Well, the difference is when you break the yolk and when you don't break the egg. That's the distinction between over well and over hard. Anyway, uh, my point being, you should, you, you, you're, you're going to make a mess as he did by transferring raw egg from one receptacle to another, unless it's like poaching and there's nothing else you can do about it because you have to drop it into the hot water. Get your pan sizzling with pan, and then crack your egg. Just lightly and then break it apart above the pan and let it fall into the pan. That is a can't fail way to do it. I like to use the back of like if, if I'm making breakfast, usually I'm chopping something up. Like if you have avocado toast and you've cut the avocado, you're not doing that with a butter knife or anything like that. You flip no. that over and instead of the sharp edge, the dull edge uh, or just the 
the flat part of the larger knife. When you hold it over the pan, just hit that with it because it has a bit more force. It's not going to give you like the tiny little crack where you need to dig into it with your hands. You can just go like, boom, boom, you're done. That's fine too. I completely endorse that. Jeff, do you have any thoughts on this matter? Not really. And I'll like full disclosure, I missed a good part of it. You having a beat? Uh, no, just sort of, uh, you know, baby's waking up, things are happening. Here. All right, I will let you get to that. Jeff Feinberg, thank you for being on. What do you, what do you think about this as a Monday show? Like a, a Monday chat? Down. You're down? Yeah, I like it. I like it. Be hot and ready for people to come out uh, on Monday mornings when they wake up with nothing to do? Yeah, it's yeah. just, uh, yeah, I like it too. Are you guys listening? Like, Tim, you listen to podcasts like at the same rate that I listen to podcasts. Do you find you're listening to more or less? Because I'm actually listening to less. I get- I'm listening. I'm still listening to a ton, but I am listening to less. Like, they're building up on my, my phone. And, like, so I'm really trying. I, I'm, I'm trying to plow through them as much as I can. Yeah, I, much like Tim, I'm listening. But at the same time, you notice that you're falling farther behind at a pace you much that you would working at much better if that makes any sense yeah like a, i would always like if i walk to work or if i take transit to work i'd be listening to a podcast then if i went to the gym i'd be listening to a podcast then depending on what i was doing like oh well, like the shows i have on pvr are dwindling but the podcasts are building that's that's, that's exactly what's happening to me too so please help support the podcast industry the best thing you can do is download no one else's shows and even if you don't listen to mine just go download all of mine and then it'll make me look like i'm the most downloaded and five-star reviews, people. Yeah, that's how you get in the $100 draw. Subscribe, download the episodes, five-star review, DraftKings handle, something you like about the show, boom. You're in that draw for 100 DK bucks. Jeff Feinberg, thank you for being on the line. You can follow Jeff on Twitter at GFeinberg17. Also, I want to thank Tim Undergust. Tim Undergust. Not my name. At Tim Anderson87, maven of the internet. I bring the fun. All right. That will do it for us. Again, I told you about the giveaway at the beginning. Forget what it was. But we have a ton of draft content coming up. We have some more golf content coming up, not just with Jeff and Tim. I have one with just Jeff and I. I have one with Rick Gaiman, one with Ben Raza. There is plenty of stuff coming down the pipeline on the Pat Mayo experience, plus all the challenge recap shows. If you're not watching the challenge, it's like the only semi-sporty thing on that's on TV at the moment. So I'd recommend checking it out. I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo experience! Experience!